This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. You're listening to episode 102. Whoa, 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 whoa. Of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Im. And I'm Christina Im. Recently, we were listening to a webinar by Dr. Henry Cloud, and he said something so profound that it made us stop in our tracks. He was talking about how our brains react to crisis. Now, while you may not feel like you're in an alarm blaring, heart beating out of your chest, adrenaline pumping crisis, there may be some things in your life that have jolted uh, really the way that your brain usually reacts. Generally speaking, our brains make maps about how to do life, like how to get to school and how to get dressed in the morning. Or when we're hungry and want to eat a sandwich, our brains have a map that show us how to get from point A to point B in our home. So let's say we're sitting in the living room and we need to get to the kitchen. Most likely, if we've been in our home for a while, we can get to our kitchen with our eyes closed. Or maybe even if the lights go out and it's dark, we can still get there. Why? Because our brains have a map to show us where to go. Okay, but let's say, Christina, someone rearranged the furniture in your living room overnight. Then what? Well, then the next time you go, you'll probably maybe bump into the couch. Or as you're walking, you'll see the couch in your eye line and be like, wait, what are you doing there? How did you get there? All of a sudden, you recognize something is out of place. So in this instance, your brain actually registers this couch that's in your way as an error, according to neuroscientists. Yeah, so this error, it's interesting. It's kind of like that error, error, error. So when this happens, basically our whole body amps up. And for a moment when our system is so amped up, uh, we uh, end up losing emotional, spiritual, psychological, and physical functioning, and we're just completely thrown off. Is that what happens when a couch is in the way? (laughs) Well, as an example, as an example, your brain registers it it as an error, and you're like, what is happening? And, And there's that moment where you're trying to find normal again. But once you recognize that it's just a couch... And really, it's just a couch and you can just walk around it. Your body's like, oh, okay, here's the new normal. I just now need to rearrange the map and go this way instead of that way. So that's just like a split second thing then, right? It's not uh, like you're stuck about your couch being in the wrong place for hours and hours. Well, yeah. So the couch thing is not really a big deal. That really is a, it's a, it's a split second error, error. What happened? Who did this? Why did someone move my couch? Did they scratch the ground? Did they, you know, it was, it was basically all of those questions are coming into our mind. But let's say a huge pandemic hits, a global pandemic hits. And it's not just (laughs) your path from the living room to the kitchen, but everything in your whole life has to be rearranged. Then that error lasts longer than a split second. It's not just a quick, what about this? What about that? What about this? I don't know about you guys, but literally for weeks on and even now we're like, oh, wait a second, we can't do that anymore. Oh, like it didn't just come all at once because everyone now 
you're working from home and you're trying to create that new normal there. School is being done online and now you don't have to wake up as early in the morning, but do you really want to sleep in and start the school day later? Uh, and what about kids and where is their school space? And, and even things like going to coffee shops and having dinner with friends. It's like, oh wait, I can't do that anymore. Or, or now actually I can, but but is the table going to really, are we really going to be six feet apart from are each other? Are we allowed or? to share food? Yeah, are we allowed to? Are we not? <laughs> Does and... everyone have to bring their own utensils to <laughs> exactly, your home? Exactly. Everything takes more time. Right? Everything requires more careful planning. And really, honestly, we are just filled with anxiety. Uh, it's some measure, but really more in a, in a general sense, feelings of uneasiness. I get what you mean, Daniel, because there are many times where I feel like I can't even make a decision because there just seems to be so many decisions where, like, let's say, example, uh, the parks have opened up for our kids and we were going to go meet some friends because you're allowed to do that while you're social distancing. But then the kids wanted me to bring snacks and I literally was stuck feeling like, am I allowed to bring snacks? Uh, am I allowed to bring water bottles? No, they're mine. I can bring it. But the kids are playing on the playground and then they come and want to drink water. Um, is whatever's on the playground going to affect their water bottles? And if they touch it later and then touch yes. their face, uh, am I, are they going to get COVID? So how much, like, uh, like what do I bring? Do yeah. I and do all, all that? of that, all yeah. of that, you just never had to think about before. Oh right? no, So never. it's the smallest things like going to the park or ordering in, oh, what if the driver has COVID? What about this, right? All of these, right. Is, that that's what is happening to our brains and to our bodies. So perhaps what you are feeling right now is really just your brain registering everything as an error. And it's like red lights are twirling around, sirens are blasting, and it's just error, error, error. And here's the crazy thing, okay? Um, this is absolutely insane. When we are amped up, and when we feel the way that we've felt, we actually get dumber. <laughs> <laughs> like literally. Our Trust me, IQ... I felt dumb when I was like, do I bring a water bottle or not? <laughs> yeah. Our IQ actually goes down about 30 points. Oh, so that's this... a lot. That's a huge amount. Yeah. So what, what, what this basically means is when we feel this way, our ability to make decisions is negatively affected. Our ability to plan is negatively affected. Our ability to adapt and respond, the agility to emotionally regulate, to be emotionally intelligent, it's all negatively affected. Yeah, I want to give uh, you a little bit of a, a greater picture of what 30 points mean when you lose an IQ. 30 points can put you um, from the genius category to the average category. Oh, so that's what happened to me. <laughs> or from the average category to a different lower category, right? Mm, yeah. So 30 points, even though it seems like, oh, it's not much, that is a great, great difference. So take heart. <laughs> if you're feeling off balance or you're feeling like you really can't make decisions or you're feeling overwhelmed about things that usually would never overwhelm you, take heart. This is normal. No one is exempt from this feeling of error and this feeling of things are not normal. We're all in this together. So during a crisis, and this is absolutely fascinating, according to Dr. Henry Cloud, we need to find a way to hit the reset button. It's not just about ignoring all that's going on or sweeping it under the carpet or trying to take the batteries out of the, uh, smoke, alarm. the, the smoke alarm. Not <laughs> that we that ever did that, no. Yeah, um, but it's, it's all about hitting the reset button. So here's the thing. Humans are incredibly resilient 
if our brains, if, if our brains are working and functioning properly. And thankfully, God has given us ways to hit the reset button. So that's why on today's podcast, we want to give you five areas where we need to hit the reset button. And also because, you know, we like the nitty gritty, the practical ways of how we can do this for ourselves and help our family do this as well. So let's get started with the first way to hit the reset button. It's in the area of connectedness. Now, here's the thing. God has literally designed and wired us to be in community and in connection with one another. Just think back to the Garden of Eden. God didn't just create Adam and then to be alone with his animals. No, he created (laughs) Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve to be together, saying that it's not good for men to be alone. Unfortunately, with this pandemic, it has destroyed our usual ways and our usual patterns of connecting with other people. Yeah, we don't do lunch together. We don't see our friends unless there's a screen involved. We don't get to go to the gym. We don't get to work out together. That was one of my favorite things to do with other people, connect as we are working on our physical bodies. So during this pandemic, we need to get incredibly intentional about connecting with God and with others so that we can hit the reset button on our system. Daniel, I loved how you also said about connecting with God, because our usual patterns of being able to do our quiet times, for me, it was when the kids would, I'd drop off the kids off at school, I would come home after working out, I would make coffee and sit in my dining room table with the sun shining in, sipping my coffee, just really being able to spend time with God. Well, guess what? I am no longer driving my kids to school. And so that part was, uh, had to figure out like, okay, what does that look like? I want to spend time with God, but my usual ways of spending time with God are interrupted now. So what do I do? And I loved how you were talking about that because that is, that takes an extra step of intentionality of finding time to spend with God too. Yeah, 100%. So when we're stressed, our levels of adrenaline and cortisol are much, much higher than usual. And being connected with others can actually help bring those stress levels down. Notice how we said intentional about making connections, whether with God or with others or even with our family. It takes extra work and extra effort to stay in touch with others that we don't see on a regular basis. Uh, For me, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't see them. It's out of sight and out of mind which isn't the greatest thing. So we want to challenge you even this week, perhaps maybe today, to talk with your family about who they want to stay connected with. Now, we know that our patterns of connection have all been disrupted, but it's not just a matter of staying in that disruption. We need to create that new normal. So talk, talk, right? Ask your kids, hey, uh, who do you want to connect? Who do you want to have a Zoom call with? Who do you want to go to the playground with? Who do you want to go to the park with and talk about social distancing and what that looks like? Um, But ask your kids, involve your kids, involve one another to be like, okay, what does that look like? Christina, for her her small group, they went completely online. And for me, I was thinking about starting a men's group later on this year because I really wanted us to focus in on spending time with our staff at the church. But now that that's all been disrupted, I was like, you know what? There's no better time than a pandemic to create new connections. So I started a men's small group a few weeks ago that we're just meeting completely digitally. And that's been so good for me personally to increase that sense of connection. 
I love seeing you take those intentional steps to doing that as well. Another thing to consider is, yes, we're talking about our family, to our family, about who they want to connect with outside of the home, but we also need to be purposeful about connecting inside the home. I know we're seeing each other 24-7, day in and day out, and sometimes it can just feel like, yeah, we're together in the same home, so we must be connected. But that's actually not true. Yeah, it was interesting. Macario's the other day was like, oh, daddy, I never get to play with you. And I'm like, buddy, I'm home 24-7. And after I said that, I was like, oh, actually, maybe that's why he feels that. Because he feels like, man, I see daddy all day, but we only get to play an hour or we only get to play during this time. And he's always asking me to be quiet or this or that versus when I would drive into work, I just didn't see him. And then when I came home, it wasn't like I was working. Then you got to play with him. Yeah. So the amount of time, the ratio of time that he saw me before was maybe when we were together, we'd play 80% of the time that we were together. Now, it's almost like we're only playing 10 or 15% of the time. And, And it's important that we understand that and place ourselves in our children's shoes so that we can help them and all of us realize what that new connection looks like. So perhaps you're listening and being like, I'm kind of tired of my family. I don't know what to do with them. Well, we actually have a whole episode about how to simple ways to have more fun with your family during a pandemic. And we also have invested into a bunch of family games, even cooperative games where there is no competition because sometimes that can just take people over the edge. (laughs) The error is screaming too loud in their brains. And we will link those in our show notes. That'll be inbetween.org slash episode 102. Yeah, you're not going to want to miss that because the board games that we've bought are absolutely incredible. They're so fun. Well, yeah, because it's we've gone but we've gone beyond Monopoly Junior. We've gone <laughs> like beyond Scrapple, Scrabble and you know all those <laughs> games that we played I, I didn't know that they had all of these new games. Exactly. That that is just like, well, they're still making board games that's still a thing and man, it's so much fun where the kids are even like, can we play that instead of Minecraft? Well, and I love can how they're learning about instead like of a movie. Yeah, right? exactly. They're really developing their brains as yeah. they're playing. As it's well. not just about buying the orange properties <laughs> on Monopoly. Yes, there's math You want that? You don't want that. the blue properties? No, 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 no. The orange is, yes, that is. Oh, oh, sorry. talk about oh, this wait, more. Okay. No wonder you <laughs> win Monopoly all the time. Uh, can uh well when we're editing a podcast we can delete that but i can actually delete that from your brain so (laughs) i'm kind of regretting saying that anyways okay so the first area that we need to hit the reset button is connectedness the second area is in our structures and our routines Yes, structure and routine is so important during a time where your brain is screaming error, error, error. But before being able to actually bring structure into chaos in your family's life and your own life, we need to name that error aloud for ourselves and for our family. We need to be able to admit to ourselves and to say it out loud that this pandemic is bad. This time is not ordinary. This is not good. Everything has changed. Thankfully, God will help us. But by naming how everything has changed, literally, I think about uh, birthday parties that have happened that usually you would be able to gather with your friends and your families around. And that has all changed. It's sad. It's heartbreaking. It's tough. But by naming how everything has changed, we can get above it 
And then by getting above it, we can observe it. And then by observing it, we can really be able to process it. Yeah, you're completely right. We need to admit it, we need to name it, and then we need to create new schedules and routines. So we're not going to bore you with what our routines were before COVID-19, but we do want to give you a sense as to what we tried and what we've now ended with for our family structure and routines. Well, at first I thought, and I was doing a lot of research on Pinterest and reading blogs and stuff, and especially from homeschooling friends and parents, and I thought organizing our day meant that it needed to be an hour and half hour and 15 minute blocks. So we would wake up at 9 a.m. We would brush our teeth at 9.15. We would eat breakfast at 9.30. We would start school at 9.45. We would take a break at 10 o'clock and so on and so forth. It reminds me of that uh, that little prince movie on netflix that big board that the mom does for the oh, child that's for right her daughter, where yeah. it's just like everything is in minute blocks yeah. and she needs to move it along the day yeah. exactly. and it worked and she liked it and it worked for a few days <laughs> and then it was like get me out of here yeah. i need adventure <laughs> the wait is over find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th dead sea squirrels book babylon breakout Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. So that actually stressed us out a lot more than was helpful. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) I especially hate being behind schedule. And so let's say we slept in and the day started at 9.15 instead of 9 o'clock. Oh my goodness. I could not handle it. When we finally realized this isn't working for us, we reevaluated and decided that actually instead of making time what would give us structure, we're going to build in rhythms of the day. So we'll have free time in the morning and then breakfast starts around 9 o'clock and learning starts around 9.30. Lunch will be with daddy around 12 or 12.30 depending when his meetings end. We have rest time, outdoor time, game time, so on and so forth forth. It wasn't so much of the time structure, but the routine of flow throughout the day. So the more you can organize your day and structure it, the more your brain is going to be able to calm down. And this is where it's important to know both yourself and your family. Some families are going to thrive with every minute planned out. And for others, it's going to work better when their day feels a certain way like us. It's also important to consider how every child operates in your family. The reason why we changed from structure, like really structure time into more of a flow and feeling of things is because some of our children really did not do well in, you know, 15 minute blocks. Yeah, the kids just felt hurried. And I love what Dallas Willard says about that. He's like, you got to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And for us, planning it minute by minute definitely felt like a lot of hurry, which led to stress. So some questions to ask yourself and your spouse and your family are, what are the non-negotiables and what are the areas where we can have a little bit more flow and lenience? Maybe one of your children need to sleep in more before school starts. So 
Perhaps then school starts at a later time, or maybe another child needs more quiet time during the day. And so being able to build that into the rhythm of your schedule. This is also a wonderful opportunity for your children to learn some independence and stretch their wings in a safe environment. Allow them into the conversation. And really, for one of our kids, they really wanted to try to do their own schooling. And so we let them and we let them fail. That's another important aspect of this is to allow your children to fail. We are not their saviors. It's really good for them to have the opportunity to feel what it feels like for those natural consequences if you don't turn in schoolwork what's going to happen this is a great and safe environment to do this in yeah so that's the area of structure and routines that we need to hit the reset button in the next area that we need to do that is in the area of control now let's face the facts many of us have lost control in so many areas of our lives where we work where we play where we get to go on vacation or lack thereof. In other words, we've lost the ability to make our own free choices without coming face to face with the consequences. So in many respects, we have lost the ability to make our own free choices. So with this loss of control, it's led to stress. And and when we're stressed, our ability to think and plan goes out the window. Daniel, you're so right that a loss of control really does lead to higher stress levels. In fact, our brains are trying to tell us that we have no control, absolutely no control. Have you ever felt like you had so many decisions and you were so overwhelmed that you just wanted to flip a table or raise yeah, your hands like, in the air and be just, like, I'm going to leave. <laughs> yeah, you make a decision for yeah. me. I can't make this decision or I don't care. Just choose whatever you want. So if we continue to allow our brains to tell us that we have no control, we're actually at a risk of something called learned helplessness. Learned helplessness? Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, according to the American Psychological Association, learned helplessness happens when someone is repeatedly facing uncontrollable, stressful situations and then does not exercise the control that they have when it actually becomes available. Oh, okay. They have learned, and I'm using air quotes here, that they are helpless in that situation and no longer try to change it, even when the change or the possibility of change is staring them right in the face. So it's kind of like that that analogy of the baby elephant who is chained up to a little stake in the ground mm-hmm. because the owner doesn't want the elephant to leave. Oh, poor dog. And <laughs> that's what, that's and, what I'm thinking of right now. Yeah, right? And, and no matter what the elephant tries, he does not have the strength to get out from that, to, to, to take that peg out of the ground and get away from that. Well, so what's fascinating is as the elephant grows older, the owner often uses the same stake and the same chain all the way to the point where the elephant is now grown, a grown adult, and can literally just walk and it'll pull that stake out of the ground, but it won't because it's learned that it cannot do that, right? So that's that image of learned helplessness, right? So yes, Daniel, that is a great example about animals. I think of the other one about the monkey who um, put their you know hand into a jar to grab the banana oh, and then they couldn't right. get it out uh, <laughs> because they wouldn't let go of it. Yeah. So we see it in animals. We mm. also see it in people. Mm. So once a person has this learned helplessness experience over and over again, they lose motivation. Hmm. 
So even if an opportunity comes up that allows the person to change their circumstances, they don't take action. They feel and act helpless even though they're actually not helpless. And this learned helplessness can increase a person's risk of depression, which makes sense. How hard is it to feel out of control all the time and just feel like you are always the victim? Okay, that's fascinating. That is absolutely fascinating because I think we all know friends or coworkers or others who you're like, man, why don't you just change what you're doing? Like, yeah, why do you, like why do you, why do you feel fate. stuck? It's like, oh, fate made me do this. Or yeah. I can't change anything because the world is just happening to me. I have no say in what's happening. Yeah, in and my you're like, life. no, no, no. Actually, if you just do this, then it's going to be completely uh-huh. different. And they can't see it. Like, yep. they won't even try. Exactly. Wow. So that's why. And I think everybody know somebody who's like that and does not want to be that person or they want to help that person because they know life does not actually work that way. So it's important to outline the things that we actually can control in order to reset our system. Hmm. So let's talk about the pandemic for a second. We can't control when it's over, but I guess we can control how much news we consume and that'll actually affect how we feel about what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I guess that means also that, yeah, we can't control when large groups are going to gather again and when we can go to concerts and when we can gather together in churches and, and, and worship together. Yeah, we can't do that, but uh, I guess we can control what it looks like to be intentional to connect with those we love. Exactly. And so even tonight around your dinner table would be a great conversation about talking to your kids and having, uh, you know, talking to your spouse as well about what are the things we can control versus what are the things we can't control. So, you know, it could be even like, what do you not like about COVID? What do you not like about this pandemic? And then taking that negative and turning it a little bit on its head and being like, okay, so what are the things we can control to be able to maybe help change that or at least shift our perspective? Yeah, that's a wonderful exercise for today. Okay, so the fourth area that we need to hit the reset button is in the area of our mental space. So like we've talked over and over again, we are more stressed out than we probably have ever been for a long time. And you know what stress does? Well, it actually does a number on our brains and our bodies. The Stress can increase anxiety, panic attacks, and depression. Stress can put us into fight, flight, or freeze mode as well. Our brains can literally create spiraling fears that are not rational and thoughts that are actually not our thoughts. Hmm, Man, I don't like that. How do we get out of that as quickly as we can? Well, in order to reset our system when it comes to our mental thoughts, it's important for us to take a step back and to, and I love what 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, take our every thought captive to obey Christ. Yeah, I love that. So when this initially started, I was afraid that, and you know, the church was closing and so on and so forth. I was afraid, Daniel, that you were going to lose your job. I was afraid that, you know, if people are not commuting anymore, they're not going to listen to our podcast anymore. So I'm going to lose my job. And then the spiraling thoughts happened. Okay, so if we both lose our jobs, that means we're going to be uh, not being able to pay uh, our mortgage, you know, a few months of that. We'd be homeless. We're not 
not going to make ends meet. We're not going to be able to put food on the table and so on and so forth. In fact, I was so stressed out at one point that I had a mini panic attack when I threw away onion skins. (laughs) Not the onion, the onion skin, because I realized that I could have boiled them to make some sort of soup. Yeah, like a veggie stock. Yeah, like an onion weird thing. (laughs) I don't know. I've never boiled onion skins before. But I actually had a dream about it later that night about me taking the onion skins out of the trash, washing it, and then making a soup from it. I was freaking out, y'all. And I knew it. (laughs) So I knew I didn't want to continue down that path because that was not something or somewhere I needed to go. And I had to take a purposeful step back and thank God for all the ways that he had provided for us before and providing for us now and will provide for us in the future. Y'all, we were literally homeless and jobless and had a five-month-old baby. We were there. We were in my greatest fear. And yet, God was with us. Mm -hmm. He was faithful then. He's faithful now. And he will be faithful in the future. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He brought us through that. He brought us through unemployment and homelessness, and he can bring us through a pandemic. Yeah. So no matter where you're at right now in your particular circumstances, God will bring you through this. And it's important that, like Christina said in 2 Corinthians 10.5, that we take every thought captive, that we take every thought captive and that we hit the reset button on our mental space. Now, here's the thing, and this, and this really leads us to our last point and last area to hit the reset button, and that's in the area of our spiritual practices. And And this is why it's different from the mental space area. Our minds and our souls are different things. They are different areas and components of ourselves. They are not the same thing. So on the one hand, yes, we need to take every thought captive, but we also need to tend to and care for our souls. And the best way to do that is to practice spiritual disciplines to reset our system. In fact, just this last week, I kicked off a brand new sermon series at our church, and I preached about the spiritual practices of solitude and simplicity. Because here's what COVID has done to us. It has forced us into solitude because of social distancing, and it has forced us into simplicity because you can't find toilet paper or restaurants are shut down or you're afraid of losing your job or you have lost your job. But as we see in the life of Jesus, there is a very big difference between forced solitude and simplicity to practicing those intentionally as spiritual practices. So if you go to inbetween.org slash episode 102. We'll put a a link to my sermon so you can learn a little bit more about those two spiritual practices. But if you were to kind of sum up this point in a couple verses, it would be what Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. I absolutely love this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. In fact, right now, if you feel weary and burdened, this is what Jesus is saying to you. He is saying, Come to me. I know how you feel. I know the weight that is on your soul and that is on all the the errors that are going on. I know that and I know the weight that this is taking and the toll that it is taking on you. And then I will give you rest. He goes on to say, take up my yoke and learn from me. 
because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, it is so, so easy for us to trick ourselves into believing that we just need to work harder, that we just need to strive harder, that we just need to burn the candle at both ends and we are going to be okay. But we are not in a sprint. We are in a marathon and we don't know when it's going to end. I love that verse, Daniel, that you brought up. And when I'm feeling stressed, I love that verse because I actually insert my name into it. And we want to encourage you that if you don't know about the Bible or you're you're maybe just starting to pick it up for the first time, we will include this verse into the show notes at inbetween.org slash episode 102 and read it. But instead of saying all of you, you put your own name into it. So I'll give you an example. Come to me, Christina, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Christina, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart. And Christina, you will find rest for your soul. I love that. I absolutely love that. And even though the days and weeks may oddly feel the same and and kind of merge into one another, it's important that we engage in the spiritual practices for our souls. So perhaps that's solitude. Perhaps that's simplicity. Perhaps that's the Sabbath. The Sabbath is an ancient practice that is all about doing what brings you life, doing the things that you want to do, not the things that you have to do. And it's one day a week where you are refusing to live a life of hurriedness. You're refusing to live a life where you are stressed and you are literally doing the things that give you life. And one of the greatest things that give us life is to connect with the one who created us, to connect with the one who gave us our souls and to worship God and to learn more about him. So I really want to encourage you, if you're not a part of a church, to actually go to our show notes, inbetween.org slash episode 102, and you're going to find a link there to participate in my church's worship service, where I talk about this. I talk about the spiritual practices of solitude and simplicity. I love that, Daniel. So as a recap, the five ways that you are able to hit the reset button for yourself and your family are connectedness, being able to bring structure and routine into your life, realizing what you're in control of and what you're not in control of, the mental space that we have and we can create for ourselves and the things that we're allowing our brains to tell us, and the last one, spiritual practices. So podcast family, let's together offer this error that we are all in to Jesus. And let's together ask him to lead us in finding reset and rest from all that we might be feeling right now. I'm feeling less stressed just thinking about it. (laughs) So Daniel, on episode 103, what are we hearing about? Well, next week, you're going to hear an interview that we had with the Ulrichs on the six needs of every child. This is an amazing one. So be sure to tune in and subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. All right. We'll catch you next week.